Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Here we are. We're talking politics, and it's becoming a wider and wider discussed issue in this country. And, you know, we just had an election, it seems like yesterday, with a minority government that has magically morphed into a quasi-majority government with the agreement between the the liberals and uh, the new democrats but are the conservatives ultimately going to benefit from this if pierre polier becomes the leader of the conservative party and if the uh, combination of liberal ndp stays in effect for the length of their contract uh 2025 does that give pierre polier all sorts of time to wind up and uh set himself up to uh be a really serious most serious contender that uh, Justin Trudeau has faced, because I think uh, Mr. Singh ultimately is not going to help himself any in the next election if he plans to stay leader of the new Democratic Party. There's lots going on. Jean Charest, uh, I have no idea why Jean Charest decided to come out of political retirement. Well, I do have an idea, but it's not relevant right now. And uh, he'll be joining us next weekend, so maybe I'll ask him then. But with us now is Dwayne Bratt, political science professor at Mount Royal University in Calgary. We've talked to Mr. Bratt, Professor Bratt, many times. When's your book coming out? It's coming out in the fall. Okay, so remind me, please, of the title. It's called The Blue Storm, The Politics of the Kenny Government. So it's a story of the 2019 provincial election and the first three years of, of the Kenny government. Okay, so that's in the fall by Dwayne Brad. So why don't we start? Because we're going to talk about um, Mr. Kenny, we're going to talk about Mr. Charest, and Mr. Polyev, and how you assess them. Why don't we start, please, Dwayne, you're in Alberta. What, what kind of difficulty is Jason Kenny in, really? He's in a lot of difficulty. Um, he, uh, the ballots are out right now for the leadership review. They have till early May to send them in by mail over 60,000 UCP members, and the results will be announced on, on May 18th. The very fact that Premier Kenny is talking about all he needs is 50% plus one, that's a pretty low bar, given that no leader can survive if he's in the 50s or even 60s, some cases even 70% support within his party, because that means there's a significant minority that are opposed to you. Um, he's got members of his staff who have taken a leave of absence to work full time on the leadership review. And the rules uh, keep changing um, to seemingly benefit Premier Kenny, which tells you everything you need to know about the, the challenges that he is facing. And you have uh, two people openly calling for his uh, resignation, two former leaders, um, Brian Jean and, and Daniel Smith, who are the legacy leaders of the old Wild Rose Party, and a handful of MLAs who have also been calling on the, the Premier to resign. So he could survive with over 50% in a month's time, but I don't know how this party stays united. It's a very interesting uh, dynamic because Daniel Smith, and, and I know Daniel somewhat from this business, uh, she, she crossed the floor from with the Wild Rose, several Wild Rose members, uh, not to the satisfaction of Mr. Jean, who took over as the leader of the party. But So we have Daniel Smith and Brian Jean, and so they're now focusing on 
on on Jason Kenney, but are they focusing on Mr. Kenney uh, as a combined unit or or individually, uh, Dwayne? And then how much of a uh, groundswell within the party? You know, if we cut to the chase and we say what percentage or how many members of the UCP would be likely to, to even at the last second, say, you know, we need a new leader or... No, I don't think we're ready to go that far. How do you how do you put that all together? Well, so a good indication. I mentioned the rules being changed. Uh, they were supposed to vote in person April 9th in Red Deer, and at the time that the party executive, which is not independent, it is seen as being controlled by by Premier Kenny, um, expected two thousand, twenty five hundred, three thousand people to show up in Red Deer. Then the numbers just started escalating: ten thousand, twelve thousand. 16,000. And they realized they simply didn't have the logistics capability of having that many people showing up in person uh, to to cast a ballot. The reason that there is a surge is people were not signing up. People were not paying the $100 registration fee. They were not willing to drive anywhere from an hour to six hours to eight hours, depending on where you lived in the province. They might have to spend the weekend there just to vote for the status quo. And so this surge of membership, this surge of interest, seemed to be a really bad indicator for the premier, which is one of the reasons they have moved to uh, a mail-in ballot. Now, to be fair, they simply couldn't do it with that many people showing up. But there remains accusations about when they knew the rules were going to be changed, because it occurred once membership sales were, were closed. So that's... That's a good indication, and um, we're hearing that over 60% of UCP members are outside the big cities, Calgary and Edmonton, uh, and a lot of those people have signed up to, to defeat the Premier. Why that number is very important is that means that less than 40% of, of active UCP members are either in Calgary and Edmonton, and those two cities represent over 60% of the, the population of the province. So um, th- this tells you that it's, it's a rural caucus uh, and uh, coming after Kenny. And it's so, largely COVID, but it's not all about COVID. I was about to ask you, what, what's the, uh, the, the nucleus uh, what of, this, of this protest, this anti-Kenny uh, protest within the party? Because, you know, if he'd stayed in federal politics... He would today more than likely either be the favorite to become the leader of the party, the federal party, or very close to the top of the uh, of, of the list of potential leaders in areas in the province of Alberta. And I've known Jason Kenney for many years. Uh, here he is um, talking about, well, if if I don't have the support of the uh, of the party, I will I will leave. What what caused this? So I think you're right. Had he stayed in federal politics, there was a very good chance he might even be prime minister to this day, uh, given what we saw in, in 2021, uh, or at least the leader of the, uh, of the party. Um, he did not think that way when uh, he came back to Alberta. It looked like Trudeau was going to be there for a while. And in fact, Trudeau has been there for a while. Uh, there was opposition to Kenny early on uh, that the leadership race of 2017 really caused some some bad feelings amongst some there remain two separate uh investigations going on about that leadership race uh one involving um what was called the kamikaze candidate which was 
Jeff Calloway, who was put up by the, the Kenny team to attack Brian Jean and, and then pull out of the race at the last moment and endorse Kenny. And then there's another investigation that BRCMP has been looking at for several years, including interviewing Jason Kenny a couple months ago over uh, voting irregularities around pin numbers and, and kiosks. So some of it stems from 2017, but he still won a huge majority in 2019. Yeah, they did. Then I think the real trigger was COVID. And a lot of the anger within his own party is a belief that Kenny went too far uh, by putting restrictions on businesses, on, on churches, uh, by bringing in a vaccine mandate after he promised he would never bring in a vaccine mandate. But there's also a separate group of health burdens, a separate group of UCP members, largely in the cities, who believe that the government acted too weak too late in responding to COVID. And so he's being pushed from both sides here. Um, and, and that's a challenge for him. And it's also a challenge for the party that they may be a certain degree of unification about removing Jason Kenney, but not about where to move forward. There were other issues that came out um, about the controlling nature of the premier, the premier staff, uh, the um, uh, all of these sorts of things. But I think COVID just blew all of that stuff up. Dwayne, I have to take a break, and then we'll talk about uh, Polyev and Chere and what's happening in the Conservative Party, because they're not the only two running for the leadership. But uh, what, what's your best guess about, just give me a quick an idea of what you think is going to happen as far as the UCP is concerned. And if it's not Jason Kenney, who becomes the leader? Uh, I think he'll, he'll eke out a technical victory somewhere in the 50s. He will try to stick it out. There will be a bloodletting because he will then proceed to throw people out of the party uh, or they will leave uh, anyway. There may be those who even doubt whether he actually received uh, over 50 percent plus one. So it's going to be a very chaotic situation in Alberta after me. Pierre Polyev, and I said this to my last guest, when he announced that he was running, Dwayne, when he, you know, the music playing behind and he said, I'm running for Prime Minister of Canada. I said, well, that kind of takes care of anybody else who's running for the leadership of the party. They've just been dismissed as irrelevant. It's clever. I, I, will it work? I don't know. But, boy, he's getting big crowds. He's getting lots of attention. And he's hearing what uh, many people apparently want or is saying what many people want to hear. How do you assess what's happening with Pierre Polyev? Do you think it has the uh, the strength, the movement has the strength, uh, the momentum to keep going until whenever the next election is. Oh, absolutely. Becomes, assuming he becomes leader. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to separate those questions from leader versus general election. But he was quick off the gate, very powerful show of force uh, early on. Uh, I think he was mobilizing even before um, Aaron O'Toole had been turfed from office. Um and he's got a lot of uh, MLA endorsement or MP endorsements. Uh, he was able to raise money. He brought in some big players, you know, Jenny Byrne and John Baird from the Harper years. And I was surprised then when Sheree and, and Patrick Brown, no slouches themselves, entered the race. But then we've seen the rallies. And Polyev is drawing massive crowds, crowds I've never seen for a leadership race before. And, yeah, I mean, he drew 6,000 in Calgary. He drew another four or 5,000 in Edmonton. Uh, people will say, well, of course, that's the heartland of conservatism. But if you're running for the leadership of the conservative party, wouldn't you want those sorts of crowds? 
but he also drew well in Windsor, and he drew well in Ottawa, and he drew well in Vancouver. Those are not conservative areas. And when and, you do that, you create curiosity, which creates additional momentum. Absolutely. And he's got a message that, that resonates. Uh, you know, he, he has a way of attacking the prime minister. The, the term just inflation is, is brilliant from a communications point of view. Yes, it is. People are watching the videos. Um, you know, he is throwing everything out. You know, he is talking about the Emergencies Act, and he's talking about getting rid of the carbon tax, and he's talking about inflation. He's even critical of the Bank of Canada. Um, so he is drawing crowds. He is drawing enthusiasm um, that Sheree and Brown can't match. I mean, people are comparing Polyev's rallies to the Trump rallies. Well, if that's the case, Sheree is like the Jeb Bush <laughs> of this race. You know, big yeah. resume, big yeah. name, and he's drawing dozens. Dozens yeah. compared to thousands. And when you look at the endorsements, Charay just doesn't have them. He's he's the man of the 90s, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Yes, he, and why he came back after nine years of Premier anymore. of Quebec, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason we haven't seen premiers uh, become prime ministers since the 19th century. But he's, he's out of step with the party he's trying to lead. Yeah. You know, he thinks it's the Progressive Conservative Party. That party is long gone. He's and, a smart yeah. man. He's a great he's communicator. A he's obviously perfectly bilingual. He's got a lot of uh, experience and, and history in, in politics. But uh, And I may cost myself an interview here. I don't know. But, I, I, but why? He, just, why, he, why he, he sounds not, like yesterday's man. He, he is. Uh, he is. I mean, the, the same was said about Jean Chrétien, and that he became a very successful prime minister. That's true. But Chrétien still had deep roots in the party. Uh, Charest doesn't have deep roots in the party. He hasn't been in federal politics since the 90s. That's a long time ago. So, and, yeah, and, and, people of a certain generation know exactly who Jean Charest is, but you go younger than that, and they go, who? <laughs> and when you bring up Huawei and um, Wang Wanzhou, and that Mr. Charest's law firm was involved with with, with them... There's that. That's that's not going to. He's going to have to sell that. He's going to. He can't just walk by that. People are going to demand answers. He's going to get questions from the other candidates. So if Charest is where Charest is and Polyev is where Polyev is, what about Brown? What about Dr. Lewis? So I mean, Lewis raised money. Lewis has a core group of supporters um, that she has been able to control from the previous time that she ran. She's the darling of the uh, of the social conservatives who uh, are still a bit mistrustful of, uh, of Polyev. Polyev has got the fiscal conservatives. He's got some of the constitutional conservatives, but not the social conservatives. They're swinging towards Lewis. And they're not an insignificant part of the conservative party, but not enough to choose a, to choose a leader. Brown is a bit of a wild card because he is known to be a very effective organizer. He came out of nowhere to win the... PC leadership in Ontario because of his organizing skill. Is that what is occurring right now? Is he mobilizing different groups in Ontario while Polyev is doing the, the public rallies? Uh, you know, we'll have to see, uh, but Sheree uh, uh, doesn't appear to be doing very well. Brown is, is a wild card, but Polyev, on almost every indicator you can think of, 
is is leading this race and leading it substantially. So does he have now? Peter McKay was the front runner, and Peter McKay never went went won. But McKay didn't draw crowds like this. No, he didn't, and he didn't have the energy that Polyev has either. And there was no enthusiasm. Yeah. So does he have Dwayne? Does does Polyev have enough of a lead now, a perceived lead or a real lead? But it's going to be extremely difficult for any of the of the other candidates to make a big dent, or are they just going to take each other out? So the the, the question has always been because it is a point system where you need support in every riding. Um, so if you've got fifteen hundred conservatives in some Alberta riding and you have two hundred in some Quebec riding, they're considered equal. Um, is that the battle plan of Brown and, and Charest. Well, we'll have to see, but they're going to be fighting each other. Um, and uh, I would still rather have 5,000 people at my event than 80. Yeah, it's nicer to walk out and see that. Vote. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.